We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. <laughs> Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. of enemies. His call signs Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated, fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. You won't win. I've always found it best. Not to look into the past. Okay, you got a plan or shall I just stay duck and cover? My plan was to drive us away. Well, your plan sucks. We all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. I made my choice. I'm done running. Here's what's gonna happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get the back hunch. Mm, listen to your mother. Oh my God, this- Up, up, listen. All right, enough, all of you. You didn't say anything. That's not fair. I know what this place is. Timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. 
Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. You really believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. It's adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're taking a trip to the movie theaters. That's right, we're back. And we're back to watch Black Widow. Straight away, let's kick it over to yours truly. Um, got to go see Black Widow with some friends. Um, uh, our, our good friend Cheryl, her daughters, Linnea and Alyssa, came with. And uh, they're, they're teenagers. And I tell you, I liked the movie. But those young girls loved it. So much so they go home that night and they purchase it on Disney+. Plus. And uh, we, we saw them yesterday. We had dinner over there. And they're like, oh, we've watched it like five times. How many times have you watched it, Larry? And I'm like, oh, uh, only once so far, but I'll, I'll catch up to you, girls. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, too. Uh, earlier this month, no, actually late June, Jazz and I went with those guys to Disneyland, to the new Avengers campus and we spent some time over in the Star Wars uh, pavilion over in, in Disneyland. But, you know, Black Widow and Loki were very prominently showcased. I mean, they had Spider-Man and, and Doctor Strange, but they they know how to drum up support for their for their films and TV shows. So the Black Widow does a little stunt show um, and and battles the Taskmaster. And, and I was wondering Okay, well, you know, let's see how the Taskmaster works out in the film. But anyway, I'm jumping way ahead, as I often do. <laughs> uh, we meet a young, the, the film opens with us meeting a young Black Widow and her uh, sister in, uh, in the United States. And what I really thought was smart, and I didn't expect, and I really liked, was they were a whole uh, part of that whole... Uh, Russian uh, spies, uh, what's the word, um, infiltrating the United States as plain old, you know, Americans working in the in the heartland and uh, mayhem ensues and they, they have 
uh, escape and and whatnot. But uh, it's an interesting way to start a a film. I don't think we've seen in in any of the other Marvel uh, movies thus far. Uh, what what would you guys first impressions of the the opening of the film? Well, I mean, the opening, I mean, it was fine. And I know you wanted to, you were jumping ahead and all that. You know, my yeah. main concerns about the movie, I have like two concerns, jumping ahead or not. <laughs> One is it kind of seems like maybe lazy writing, but it's almost like they get together in a committee and they say, all right, so what's going to be the main motivation of these characters? Family. That's it. And it's been family in almost every movie that's come out lately. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I liked, you know, the characters. I liked the interaction. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of burned out on the whole family thing. But then the other comment, and I had to watch it twice. I think I told you guys before we started. (laughs) Uh, Lieutenant Debbie and I went and saw it in the theater about a week ago. And then, unfortunately, I guess due to COVID, the theater didn't have air conditioning or air circulation whatsoever. So I think I was passing out from lack of air. (laughs) But I was like dozing through about the first half hour, 45 minutes of the film. And so we had to watch it on Disney Plus like last night just because I had no clue what happened at the beginning. (sighs) Yeah, it's like uh, I guess I, I guess I need to know in order to do the podcast. So, so we went ahead and spent the thirty bucks, which I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But uh, watched it again last night. Um, my only other comment, though, is that as far as like the handling of the Taskmaster, I think it was just one peg down from the handling of the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Mm. I mean, I was just very, very disappointed. I mean, Taskmaster's a cool villain. He's pro- he's one of the A-listers. And I just think they totally mishandled him. Her. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Karen? Oh, well, you know, overall, I enjoyed the film. I mean, I think there are, you know things you could you could um nits you could pick with it um getting back to your question about the beginning of the movie i i did think that was really clever to have them be you know a a spy family infiltrating the u.s and i thought it was it also really fed into natasha's overall story arc where you know she has one of the best in my opinion is one of the best story arcs in the mcu because she goes from a place where, uh, you know, she starts out very um, distrustful, very cold, very alone. In, and, you know, because she starts out as like an assassin, essentially, and she comes over and becomes a spy for S.H.I.E.L.D., which we later find out is really has been, you know, taken over by Hydra. Um, and it's only through her interactions with like Steve Rogers and some of the other Avengers that she is able to um, kind of find her, her value as a human being and, and find redemption. And this story, you know, is also about redemption, but, you know, by seeing what she 
what happened in her adolescence, it's easier to understand why she was so mistrustful and why, you know, she was that very, um, a person of very flexible morals, right? You know, um, to have that kind of uh, a life early on. So I thought that was really interesting, but it also sets you up to understand why she feels like she has to go back and she has to free the other girls. And, and she also kind of owes this to her sister as well. So I like the overall idea behind it as far as, you know, she's on a mission, she's going to free these other women. And, and, you know, the overall story had this, which surprised me was sort of a theme about how like girls and women in, in the world in certain places, especially are um, often sort of used and then thrown away. And uh, that was an interesting theme that I wasn't expecting, but I think it, um, it was a, you know, an interesting story for her, but then I think at times it got kind of diverted and lost and yeah, the family theme comes in and it was kind of, I don't know, like the Red Guardian character was just a a very goofy character that, you know, could have, there were like moments where you could see that there was a seriousness that could have been um, brought forth, but was mostly just a big kind of goofball humor character. Um, So I I don't know. Yeah, there was some errors in execution, I think. I mean, overall, I think I would I would give the movie like sort of a solid B. It's it's certainly not the like worst MCU movie. I enjoyed it pretty much, but it's not mm-hmm. like my my favorite probably. And I only saw it one time. I'll probably see it again soon, but I haven't gone back and seen it since my first viewing. So yeah. you you were actually talking about the Crimson Dynamo, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it would be interesting if they ever got together, you know, the whole uh either whether they want to call them the Winter Guard or the Soviet. Well, I guess they're not, they couldn't be the Soviet super soldiers anymore. There's no Soviet Union, so. Right. Unless they did, unless they did like a period piece. Sure. And they can oh. do it, yeah. No, I, no, I think there's also, uh, there's still a big story to tell just between Black Widow and Hawkeye or Clint Barton. Right. I mean, there's that whole dynamic where they went off on that mission and you know that that i think was what originally got her into shield and kind of you know brought her over but that's like a major story that i don't know maybe could be told in the future but um yeah it's definitely something that's only been it was touched on in some of the other mcu films it was touched on in this one but that hasn't gone all the way yet to tell that story it would be interesting and i i was thinking as we move forward in the phases of the mcu how many people will want to go back and see that you know part of the black widow's past i mean this 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 wasn't a period piece but obviously we did go back in time it takes place after certain events in the MCU. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting. I, I thought it was kind of a missed opportunity to introduce Budapest and, you know, how she, what she did in Budapest to get into S.H.I.E.L.D. 
and we didn't see or hear anything about Nick Fury, really. I mean, I know she had a tight relationship with Clint, and um, I don't know. I mean, Nick was almost like a mentor. At least we were led to believe through Iron Man 2 and, and Avengers. Um, so, yeah, maybe we could go back and, you know, do like um, Captain Marvel and kind of revisit that that story. True. And this took place between what, Civil War and Infinity War, right? The beginning of the Civil film War is like, Infinity yeah, War. Okay. The beginning of the film right, is like right. right after Civil War. She's on the run. And at the end of the film, she's flying off to free the Avengers, get them back together, and all that that would eventually leave a, lead up to the fight against Thanos. Right. Uh, Amanda, you know, it'd be fun to, to watch her expression to find out that Steve went ahead and freed the Avengers already. Well, or maybe she was flying the... Sorry? Well, yeah, that was... I thought the implication was that she was going to probably fly Steve to the raft to break, uh, you know, break the Avengers out of there. But what I wanted to know was, how did she get away from Ross? It was implied that once the the uh, satellite base or whatever you want to call it crashed to Earth, you know, she was like, well, I'll stay here. The rest of you guys, you know, leave the, the other Black Widows and her family and everything. And it looked like she was going to stay there and meet Ross and all the other uh military whoever they were that was showing up and then yeah the next scene we cut to it's like two weeks later and she's got her blonde hair and the guy is giving her the quinjet it's like so did did she get taken in by ross and they just let her go did she run off it's like what happened that was not clear at all to me yeah and, and how the hell did he get a hold of a quinjet right i <laughs> It's like it's that stuff. Well, we just, you know, fished it out of uh, the Potomac or what? Yeah, you know, it's like. <laughs> well, he's got connections. Supposedly in the comic. Now, I, I wasn't really familiar with his character in the comic, but I had read that uh, he's actually the son in the comics. Anyway, he's the son of the Tinkerer. Uh, yeah, I, and I saw that. through the Tinker, he's he has all these connections in the underworld and all that. And who knows? You know, maybe it was some kind of smuggled, stolen, reimagined, whatever Quinjet, but yeah. yeah, there's no, there's nothing that really explains how he got it though. Could be kind of weird. I mean, the guy who ostensibly was the tinker was in Spider-Man homecoming. Yeah. Working with the vulture. So that guy's supposed to be, the other guy's dad. I, I don't know. Well, in the, well, in the comic, the Tinker is like an old, dawdling old guy. So I mean, right? You know, and, the, and obviously in Homecoming, he's he's younger. So there's not. I assume there's not that connection in the MCU. But I, mean, yeah. I think in the comics, he might actually even be an alien. But I, I can't remember for sure. <laughs> that would be interesting. And you know, look with the multiverse of madness rapidly approaching who knows what uh timelines and um you know different stories will will intertwine uh interweb through spider-man and doctor strange moving forward well it'll be interesting to see what happens because basically 
you could negate anything that happened in any previous movie because anyone can come back or anyone can appear and people can cross over and back and this and that. So, yeah, it's almost like, all right, we've done we've done a certain set of things in the movies, but now we can like go back and totally redo them again or do them differently or bring them back. We'll see. Yeah, we should talk a little bit more about the Black Widow. Uh, at some <laughs> point, we're going to try to fit Loki in here. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll write that thought down about Loki before we. Uh, well, the thing about there. the thing about Black Widow is it's not obviously connected to the whole phase four multiverse storyline or whatever's going to go on. It's kind of like its own standalone. And in that, I was kind of hoping it would be a little more like maybe like Winter Soldier, you know, more of a like a spy movie or whatever, you, what have you. But um, but yeah, it's definitely kind of a standalone, especially since it takes place, quote, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, for a minute, I kind of got like they were trying to do a. Um winter soldier kind of thing with taskmaster and you know uh natasha and her sister on the run and Mm -hmm. getting chased and and you know they had a mission and stuff but uh you know it kind of it kind of went in its own direction um speaking of taskmaster so we we kind of talked about this before the show uh, uh, what are your guys' feelings on the on the utilization and the uh, changes made to the Taskmaster from the comic uh, introducing that character into the MCU? Yeah, it's funny because it's like, yeah, I was disappointed at the reveal. And then I was kind of like, well, why am I disappointed? And I guess, I don't know. I was trying to like put my finger on it because... I don't know that I have any strong attachment to the character other than the powers, because the powers are pretty cool. You know, it's like, okay, you know, Taskmaster can watch someone perform and then can mimic that performance. And that's pretty much, the, as far as I'm concerned, the most interesting thing about the character. But for some reason, it was kind of like funky because, you know, they take the helmet off and and the woman who is playing the role i mean she just looks kind of smallish and i'm thinking so they kind of shoved this woman in a suit that's built to look more like a dude and it's like i don't know it just seemed kind of wonky um so they're it it felt a little jarring but then on further reflection it was like okay so i guess this supplies sort of this past coming back to haunt natasha uh, element, you know, this right. is this is something you did that you knew was wrong when you did it, and you know, here it is. You have to face face this all over again. But yeah, it did seem kind of maybe it's just in the execution of how it was done. What say you, Bob? Well, I think I said it kind of at the beginning. I was pretty disappointed with the whole handling of the Taskmaster. And I know they, you know, they wanted a character that was somehow attached to uh, to Natasha's past, even recent past, whatever, and some kind of connection to that. But in that case, they could have brought anyone back and 
put him in that role. It didn't have to be Taskmaster. It was Taskmaster was not, you know, he didn't play a role where he was important or she was important to the plot other than manufacturing this connection between her and Natasha. Yeah, I, uh, you know, and I guess Wanda or Wanda, Natasha is the better hero because I don't know if I would have risked life and limb to save the Taskmaster at the end of the film. I mean, she went through a lot to kind of get to kind of get you know her her safe and you know ultimately she got the serum and and snapped out of it and stuff, so it worked out well. Um, and that's like part of her growth, right? As a character, because right. years before she wouldn't have, she would have left her in there. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I will say too, you know, and, and again, the girls, they, they, they're great. They love the, the Marvel movies, but they're not as invested in the comics and the, you know, um, all the films and stuff. But for that age group, they, they didn't have, uh, problems with some of the, you know, like the Taskmaster, because I had the same thing as like, you, you know, this suit was like, you know, meant to mislead us, I guess, so we couldn't guess who was in the suit, but they didn't have a problem with it. They were just like, oh, okay. Well, but yeah. they don't have any past history with the character. I mean, well, it's it's right. totally different, right? Yeah. And I think Disney's banking on it because they went out, well, but then again, Bob bought it too. You know, they shelled out 30 bucks for the Disney Plus uh, access, so. Only because they knocked me out during the first uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't podcasting, I probably would have just shined it on. But I mean, Marvel has, has yeah. burned, you know, a few characters in the past, um, Oh, like, uh, well, you know, they they had uh, Hawkeye be Ronan for all of like five minutes in <laughs> yeah. in like Endgame. And there were some people who were really upset that like that's all we're ever going to see of, of Ronan, you know, is basically Hawkeye being Ronan. And um, I'm sure we could probably come up with some more examples, but Mandarin. it's Sunday and I'm sleepy. So <laughs> maybe, maybe like the Mandarin, they'll redo Taskmaster in like 10 years or so and try to yeah, get them right. Or Cap is Nomad. I mean, you know, we got him for like a half hour, you know, part of the movie. Yeah. Um, with the, with, with the, what were they, gauntlets or what did he have? Uh, oh, on his. Uh, yeah. The anyway. Wakandan energy shield. Yeah, I was like, yeah. get this man a shield, and that's all they could come up with. <laughs> uh, you know, so they do that once in a while. They'll burn an idea or they'll burn a character quickly, and, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, I wanted it to be more special, but. Yeah. You know, so it goes, so. But we, well, do, have, we do have the Hawkeye TV show coming up on Disney Plus, so. Who, yeah. know, who knows and what they'll do in that? Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. So later this year, and of course the the uh, end scene, the credit scene with Yelena, will feed into that as well. Yes, I really liked her too. I don't know what you guys thought of her as a character. I was prepared to come into it saying nobody can replace Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and uh, I thought she was one of the best things in the movie. I thought she was good. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the character. I enjoyed the interplay between her and Natasha's, you know, sisters and what have you. Um, and even the interplay between her and David Harbour yeah, as Red Guardian, I mean, that was uh, was good as well. 
Uh, yeah, I, I had no thoughts one way or the other because I'd never seen the actress in anything else going into this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if she's going to be the one carrying on the mantle, and I yeah, guess she I could be a, quote, Black Widow because she was one of 50, 60 of them. Right. Um, then, yeah, I mean, obviously Scarlett Johansson can go and handpick whatever role she wants to be in in whatever movie. So, obviously, she's moving on. Uh, I think she just wanted to tell this story and she was an executive producer on the film. And I think that was kind of her way to kind of lay the character to rest, even though it was kind of done that way in Endgame. But she had a final early story to tell. And yeah. you know, she's probably moving on. But you never know. I mean, Disney rolls up the Brinks, Brinks truck to whoever's garage and like <laughs> unloads a ton of cash and... Somebody told me there was a rumor that uh, Chris Evans signed up for more movies, which would be well, you know, part of this multiverse thing. thing about, so who knows? Yeah, they said, said the same thing about Robert Downey. I mean, you know, I think Marvel would be smart just to continue moving forward with their, their different phases and the different franchises within the MCU. Um, sometimes these actors price themselves out of a role also. Um, that being said, not that we're going to transition into Loki, but with the, uh, with the timeline all fractured and stuff, who knows who's alive, who's dead, what version of who, you know, moving forward, there's there, it, it reminded me of this episode of the next generation where uh, all these Enterprise Ds showed up and, oh, yeah. and there was a Riker with an eye patch. It's like, we won't go back. He can't, you know, he was so, the, the Borg have taken over. But to set the timeline right, everybody had to go back to their time zone. So uh, who knows? Tony's alive in, in one, you know, version of the multiverse. Uh, so is Natasha. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, uh, it, it'll be interesting moving forward. And with the What If series coming out, which they said is going to be part of the canon. So um, as the multiverse fractures, I guess the Watcher is going to show us, you know, what if scenarios in these different mm -hmm. uh, universes. It'll be well, interesting. Even within the main timeline, I think it's going to be kind of interesting as, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's uh, Countess character uh, is is recruiting you know all these different people to be sort of what we're assuming is either a Dark Avengers or Secret Avengers team and there's going to be sort of either what you want to call either the second rate versions or the copycat versions of you know characters we've seen so if Yelena is on there she's going to be sort of a, the second Black Widow right and we've already got John Walker who is sort of a second-rate Captain America, right? And then who else will she be bringing in who might be sort of a, a you know, a, um, like, sideshow mirror version of another character we've seen, right? So yeah. it could be very interesting to see what that sort of team might look like. Right, and, and what will their agenda be? Because she's she's promising Elena this... Uh, uh, chance to to get back at the person responsible for her sister's death, and it's like, oh, not Hawkeye, right? And Elena is sort of 
in a place similar to where Nat was early on in her, you know, journey. So she still, I think, has a lot of, you know, anger and and sadness that she has to work through. Yeah. And before I forget The Red Guardian, I can't think of the name of the film Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad were in. Where Schwarzenegger oh. played this hero, the Christmas uh, movie. I know it. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't. I, I kept on seeing Arnold's face whenever I saw the Red Guardian. I'm like, oh my god. Um, and I don't know if they were. The actor was kind of trying to channel his inner Arnold, or maybe it was just me. Um, you know, in the lack of oxygen theater and over buttered popcorn. Oh, and by the way, guys, let me tell you buttered popcorn with I was like Homer eating a donut Homer Simpson (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'll tell you I had my first buttery popcorn in like I don't know a year and a half and I I felt queasy all night but it was worth it well see I I saw Godzilla vs. Kong in the theater twice plus we had our Godzilla Fest so this was not like a big return to a theater for me it was I mean, it was nice to go and see a first-run movie in a theater with a general crowd, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's nice to be back in there. If they would just turn the damn air conditioning on, well, they had to have air conditioning on here because it was like 110 degrees outside. So <laughs> luckily, we had air conditioning. Well, we we were out looking for nuclear vessels in Alameda and wound up in a theater out there, and there was plenty of AC and inside so we we lucked out but uh it it was it was interesting you know obviously with covid everybody still having to wear masks and stuff until you sat down and started drowning yourself in your popcorn and now they have like beer and wine too that was kind of a an odd Mm -hmm. experience but um yeah pretty much all the theaters here now are yeah dining yeah I, i was in a just a basic your century theater so Oh. Doesn't have any of that yet, but <laughs> it gets the crowds in the theater. Well, that's true. Makes the movies better too, I guess. <laughs> when you can watch them in a drunken stupor. <laughs> God. Now let me ask you guys. Well, you know, Loki just finished off. Or we I know we might go back to the Black Widow, but um, the whole concept of the Time Stone and. Um, you know, the Infinity Stones not having an effect inside of whatever uh, bubble the TVA exists in. Could that, I mean, you know, you, you the, the timeline's all disrupted now and everything after the, spoiler alert, after the end of the last Loki episode. What kind of an impact could that have? I mean, like we said, is, is Iron Man alive on Earth 46 and he's dead on Earth 33 or... I don't know. There, there's just a lot of and, and how do you undo I, what they did? I mean, he, this. I think it's ultimately a way for Marvel to utilize all of its um, IP. So you know, if they want to use any of their graphic novels that are outside of their main timeline, they can use them. If they want to use any of their, you know. I don't know, cartoons or any, any properties they have that they want to use, they can use and they just explain that it's from a, a different timeline or reality, right? Uh, right. I, I agree with you. And I was thinking this is one of the most dangerous things. I mean, it could either 
work very, very well like the Guardians of the Galaxy did because I was like, what is the Guardians of the Galaxy? And I wound up being blown away by that film. Um, the potential risks, I mean, look, someone was saying it's a way they're going to introduce mutants and the Fantastic Four into the MCU, like you were saying, certain properties, you know, to, to fit them into the timelines that already exist. Um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I think it's, it's interesting. It's risky. I think it's even more interesting that we're going to get a Loki season two. That surprised me. None of the other DC or uh, Disney plus shows got a season two as of yet, except for Loki. Well, I think, yeah, look out of all the quote Marvel villains, I think obviously Loki kind of outshined them all. And now you've got sort of this, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he just Mm -hmm. out for himself? I mean, there's a lot to explore. And just the fact that he's back at the TVA where they, no one remembers who he was. And Sylvie's still off after she killed Atticus. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot more that could be told, especially if Loki is not going to play a key figure in any of the upcoming movies, which I haven't heard that he is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I um, haven't heard too much about his his involvement moving forward. Uh, you know, he's a producer on the show. They're, they're all producers on their shows now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of how that, I think that's how they lure him back and give him more money. But yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting because Loki may not be a central figure in the the film's coming up, but certainly from like Doctor Strange on, he's he's having or not even Doctor Strange. I guess it will be with Spider Man. He's going to be having a major impact because he's the one who's disrupted the time stream. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what makes it possible for Spider Man to bring Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock, or to bring you know any of the other villains from the quote Sony Spider-Man movies over into the MCU. And even, you know, there's the on again, off again rumors about uh, Tobey Maguire and, uh, Mm -hmm. and Andrew Garfield coming back, not coming back, you know, who knows? I mean, it would be, it would be cool if they did a quote Spider-Verse type movie because I loved that the Spider-Verse movie, but I don't know. And we'll see if they can, if they can uh, do it. And can they even bring back Nicholas Hammond? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's so hard with all the rumors because you hear, you know, bringing Venom into canon. uh, Morbius? Morbius. Vampire, yeah. A living vampire. Uh, I I don't know. Um, Well, the the Morbius trailer had the uh, Spider-Man Wanted poster in an alleyway. Right. So he yeah. is crossing over. He's not like a totally separate universe from Spider-Man. Yeah. There, there's a Craven uh, film. Oh, God. Who did they cast? Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. I know. I'm like. Or no, not him. You know who it was? Who's the guy who was in the first Godzilla movie? And he also played Quicksilver in the first Avengers. Yes, that's who it was. Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. What's the guy's Aaron name? Aaron Taylor Johnson, or yeah. Right, right, right. This, it's like a, as Craven. Like, this was like 
like casting the the shiny vampire as Batman. Yeah, I'm like, uh, now look, it could work. Yeah, but see, Man, people said the same. First. People said the same thing about Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh, I was gonna say, oh, they uh, made yeah, Beetlejuice Batman. What? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd and like now everybody's celebrating guy. his return in in the Flash. Yeah, I, you but, know. So I guess you know we'll see ultimately, right? But if they see. if they do Craven. They can't do Craven without eventually doing that whole story arc where he buries Spider-Man alive. Yeah. And, you know, he ends up coming back and all that. I mean, that was like such an intense story that if you're going to do Craven, you might as well at least have that in one of the films. Well, and the thing that everybody wants to do Craven's last hunt, but the mm-hmm. problem with that is it fed off of years and years of encounters between Spider-Man and Craven. So the thing that made it so powerful was that, you know, you knew this character for years and the fact that, you know, and I forget exactly, he was dying of something, I think. Cancer. You know, yeah. That, it was made powerful because you had all these years of confrontations built up between the characters. They had a history and it's the same thing. I don't want to go there, but it's the same thing as the Dark Knight trying to tell the story of Dark Knight. The reason Dark Knight works is because you have all the years of Batman and his story and then to see him in that condition and, and doing the things he did in the Dark Knight. But anyway, we won't go there. Um, but, yeah, it's like I don't know, like if you introduce Craven in the story and then try to do craven's last hunt in, in the same movie it's like the impact i think is is lost so well anyway. we'll see um but overall what did you guys think of loki because i really had a hard time this was the first of the three marvel series where i had a hard time getting into it and i had expected to really like this one but i uh, i never could quite get into it did what did it go in a direction you you thought it should have, or what was it that uh, the acting, the story? What I, what I just never felt like it felt like a plane that was always on the runway, about to take <laughs> off, and it just never took off for me. You know, I kept waiting and waiting, and like we were, you know, the nose would pick up, and then the nose would go down, the nose would pick up, the nose would go down. It just never took off. Yeah. Chief, you, you got any words or you want me to go next? No, no, I'm good. Um, no, I enjoyed Loki. I, I think there was a lot of filler in it. They probably could have they probably could have made a really good two hour movie out of it. Yeah. But you know, they kinda yeah, and that's a lot of these TV shows, they kinda stretch it out. Especially like the Netflix Marvel stuff. A lot of filler episodes on oh, yeah. those. You know, they would stretch them out to 13 episodes or whatever and say, well, you know, you probably could have done seven or eight and made it really good. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as Loki went, you know, I was like, it was a big build up to the end where we finally see who's in the castle. It was nice to see Atticus back but because <laughs> I enjoy the actor. But, um, you know, he's like a version of Kang. He's not really, you know, he's not Kang the Conqueror. He's Kang the Unknown or whatever. Um, 
it would have kind of be, it would have been nice to at least see some kind of appearance by Kang. Although I think his the next movie Kang is in is going to be the Ant Man movie. Yeah, in the Quantum Verse or whatever. But maybe he'll maybe he'll blossom there. Well, well, you know, if he's going to be the Thanos of the next phase, he may show up for five minutes in every single film or series. Up, you know, yeah, he may be in a bunch of post-credit scenes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I got the impression the Kang we saw at the end of Loki was more like a, sort of like Immortus, but, but maybe a Nathaniel Richards kind of character, too. I mean, he wasn't the Kang, the warlord, certainly. Right. That, you know, we're used to from most of the comics. That's a good point. Yeah, he was kind of he was the one that was holding this whole multiverse together. Right. And then once Sylvie killed him, then all the branches appeared and and then boom, we're here we go, you know, phase four. But yeah. uh, anything can happen. But it was pretty talky. I mean, I I, I had heard some rumors that the ending was originally somewhat different and that we were going to see the, um, cause there were scenes in the trailer where we saw King Loki of Asgard and he had like Thor's hammer and there were scenes where, you know, there were big crowds of Asgardians, uh, cheering him and stuff. And that we were supposed to see that in the last episode and that they re-edited it and took that out and they put in more scenes with, with Kang. Um, I mean, it kind of feels weird that, like, we knew something was going on with the, the time stream. We knew somebody was behind it. And I don't know, just like you see him at the very end. And Loki almost seemed like a passenger in his own story. You know, he's not the one taking any actions. It was Sylvie that sort of took action. And I don't know. I do. En I did enjoy the parts of the show I enjoyed were Tom Hiddleston and his growth of the Loki character, like his recognition of like his issues as, you know, over the centuries that he had really kind of screwed up his life and that he had been putting on a, a you know, a whole sham of, you know, because he was really kind of this sad, lonely person and he'd been acting like an a-hole all this time. <laughs> um, and that was interesting. But yeah, overall, it was like, there wasn't enough meat there, so to speak. I think Bob's right. If they had done like a movie, it maybe would have felt a little, a little more interesting. Well, I think like if you look back at where this Loki was, because this is not the Loki that had a change right. of heart and attacked Thanos and got killed and and helped save Asgard and all that. This is not him. This is still the quote villain Loki. Right. That was captured and he just happened to grab the Tesseract and poof, off he went. So there was – and I think, you know, obviously they the TVA showed him, you know, his other realities and he got to see where he reconciled with Thor and he helped, you know, save Asgard and went up against Thanos and got killed and the whole thing. And I think that helped mold the character as the series went on. But I think at the end, if he took action, if he killed Kang, then I, th I think the evolution of the character was he was trying to prevent him from being killed and save us from the multiverse because that's where his character, the direction his character was going in. 
he wasn't the Loki that would, you know, kill Kang or do whatever. Um, however, Sylvie, as the other Loki, still was. But Well, and I think that's the beauty of it. As, as far as, like, I can understand the growth for the actor who plays Loki, the Tom Hiddleston. But the beauty is that Sylvie is a version of Loki. And isn't life about the decisions that we make? Uh, do I go down the aisle and say yes, or do I run away? Do I say yes to this career choice or no to that career choice? Do I, you know, do, do I eat the day old donut or do I, you know, whatever that. And and this is on a grand cosmic scale. And here it is that, you know, Tom Hiddleston's Loki figured it out. And yet Sylvie wasn't there. She couldn't get rid of that. I don't want to say sense of purpose, but just that this is what she set out to do. And, and damn it, if she had to go through. And that was a little strange, too. Yes, we all love ourselves, but Loki literally fell in love with the version of himself. <laughs> but we'll wrap our minds around that another time. Um, so I think his purpose obviously has changed because he couldn't prevent the splintering of the multiverse. So now what? Sylvie sends him into a dimension or a time bubble, whatever reality, where a version of Kang runs the TVA. I mean, he had statue there and there's Morbius and, and Agent. I don't even know her name. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to go forward. I happen to be a fan of the Netflix Marvel. Uh, I, I don't I've heard a lot of people say they were too long, too much, blah, blah, blah. I was OK with it. But then again, I like Batman versus Superman. Dun, dun, dun. No, I mean, I mean, going back, I mean, I'm not going to complain about the Netflix series. I was just saying that there was a lot of filler. But overall, yeah. though, I did enjoy all the series except for Iron Fist. Yeah, I, I give you that one, Bob. <laughs> I, I didn't even see season two of Iron Fist. Season two of Iron Fist was actually very good, especially the, the last six episodes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, Karen, had, had uh, we were talking about uh, her going back and watching Thor to the Dark World. And it was kind of like, well, you know, kind of appreciated a little more watching it now as opposed right. to the first time when it, you know, so... Who knows? Um, now, did you guys catch? I mean, I'm sure you caught the little Easter eggs in episode five where they're going across the landscape and you, oh, yeah. and you see things like the Thanos oh, yeah. copter <laughs> and Ronan's, super stories. Ronan's ship. And then great. as they were panning down towards the underground, you see Mjolnir buried in the rocks mm -hmm. and a jar next to it. With, I didn't catch it the first time. It's that I saw it was a little Thor, but it was Frog Thor. Yeah, Frog Thor. Throg or whatever. And I just thought, you know, man, this is, if this is what the multiverse is leaning towards, <laughs> <laughs> then yes, literally anything goes. Whether it's an alligator Loki or a Frog Thor or whatever. Well, Kevin Smith was talking about uh, getting a call asking him to work on a, a Howard the Duck 
uh, series, animated series, I think for Hulu or, or, and then all of a sudden it fell through. And I'm wondering if after what happened with Loki, if, if Howard the Duck might be coming back. I mean, we did see him in the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah, he was. I think he was in yeah. both. He was in just a quick shot in one of the scenes of the first movie. Yeah. But then in the second movie, he actually had like a line. I think he talked to Cosmo, right? The dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also in Endgame. There, when all the the army of superheroes is amassed to You're go right. after Thanos, there's one shot. I think. I don't know if he's behind the wasp. I think it might be the wasp when they're all running. There's real quick. If you like freeze it, you can see Howard running with the, all the superheroes. So that was a little, you know, a little extra they threw in there. That's cool. Yeah, I, I will say that episode with the all the different Lokis was actually yeah. that was pretty entertaining. And Richard Grant as the, the comic book Loki with the old school you know, green that and yellow cool. uniform. That, that was, he did a really nice job uh, with that. That was hilarious. Thing. Yeah, I didn't know what to think of that at first. Because, <laughs> you know, if, it's like, if you're going to bring that costume back, you know, make him all muscular and stuff like he was in the comics. But, but no, I, get, I grew on, it was almost like, it was almost like Hercules in Jason and the Argonauts. Where the actor <laughs> is not like Herculean build. But he's loud and rambunctious and carries it off. His shoulders. I mean, for the for the time, he was you know a well proportioned man. He wasn't you know hugely muscular, yeah. but he he has a big chest. But he's well, not like the first actor you'd think of when you think of Hercules. No. Yeah. That's because you met Arnold in later films. <laughs> well, you had like what, was it Steve Reeves in uh, yeah. the Hercules true. movies? He was muscu- muscular. But no, I mean, getting back to Loki. Same thing. This guy was not what you would picture as comic book Loki. Obviously, he was older, but acting wise and character wise, he pulled it off and it turned out to be good. Well, if if you look at the early stories of Loki, I have a statue of Loki and that's exactly how Loki looked like the vulture, like not as old, but he was very lanky and, you know, didn't really have like this physique to him, which, which was the polar opposite of Thor, you know? So it, it worked for me. I, I, I appreciated the look of all of them. And I, look, Oh, go ahead, Walker. I was just thinking, you know, facially they picked an actor who looked very much like the early comics yeah. version of Loki with sort of a crooked nose and, you know, he sort of looked conniving. Um, but I appreciated how, you know, they had them all talk about like how they how did you you know, what was your path here and all that <laughs> stuff. And and he, you know, I did all these things and then he goes, but then I realized I missed my brother. You know, it was sort of like despite all the stuff he did, he he realized that he had that connection. You know, it was that sort of weird love hate kind of relationship. And yeah, it was just really interesting you know, yeah. to hear all the, and the kid Loki was kind of cool too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they asked him what he did at his dimension. He goes, Oh, I killed my brother. Yeah. I killed him before. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, your mission commander is going to put out a, a request to the listeners. He would love a crocodile alligator Loki Funko pop. <laughs> so if any of you guys come across that, you, you let your commander know and uh, I'll reimburse you. You know what I did see online? 
was you have the polo shirts, the alligator polo shirts. Yeah. And someone took an alligator polo shirt and stitched horns on the alligator. <laughs> so that was I love it. inspired. Alligator looks. You know, and it's, it's so funny. It's like the, the end of, I guess it was episode four, and they show the, the different Thors or uh, Loki saying, you know, am I dead? Loki says, am I dead? And they're like, no, but you will be if you don't follow us. And for a week, the internet was arguing, was it a crocodile Loki or was it an alligator Loki? (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I found interesting and I was reading, you know, online with all the the infinity stones, you know, they had different versions. You know, they had like three or four different, you know, stones of the same type. You never saw the time stone or not time stone, but the soul stone. Hmm. Because they were using them as like, what do you say, uh, paperweights for their desks and stuff. It would be the hardest to get. So I guess the soul, you know, Kang has certain powers and stuff. But yeah, I guess he's not all omnipotent. Well, that was one of the bribes for Loki to, you know. Oh, basically, uh, you know, not mess with the TVA was they were going to give him the, the infinity gauntlet with all the stones. Good rule, Asgard. Done. You want to do no this? Problem. Done. Sylvie, it's yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward with the season two. I I think they can do a season two. I think uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier could do a season two easily. You know, just insert whatever, you know, spy theme or, or mission, you know, like a Mission Impossible or whatever for them. Um, it was WandaVision that I thought, yeah, this is this is a one and done. It's kind of like Watchmen. I don't know if you guys saw Watchmen on mm-hmm. HBO Max. It's kind of like, OK, we did it. And that's that's all the story we had. Um, Love Lovecraft Country wanted a second season, but it just didn't work out for them. So they released all the actors from their from their contract. Atticus had other plans. We're we're only going to get the one. Right. Yeah. So, um, any final thoughts on Black Widow uh, or Loki on Disney Plus? Well, it's kind of a shame that uh, they didn't do the Black Widow movie back in uh, yeah Phase Two. I think was when they Kevin Feige originally wanted to do it, and they got a lot of friction. I think I think Ike. Perlmutter was the guy who was still running things and, you know, before Disney completely kind of pushed some of those guys out. It would have been nice to get it kind of back as a more contemporary film, but I'm glad we got it. I think it, you know, it's it's certainly it's, you know, it's a good film. We have quibbles with it, but I think it's a good film. It's probably like you were saying, Larry, you know, maybe you'll go back and watch it again and enjoy it more. And, you know, like you were talking about the young girls, you saw it with uh, there was a dad and a uh, like preteen girl sitting by me when I saw it. And that kid was having so much fun watching the movie. So I, I am glad that, you know, there are uh, these kind of strong female characters for girls to see now when they they go to the theater. Absolutely. I remember taking Kayla to the movies and all she had was like Disney princesses, you know. <laughs> um, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz was one of the strongest female characters. Well, now it's Marvel princesses, right? But now, well, 
I'm telling you guys, if you get a chance to go to the Avengers campus, it is phenomenal. They have the Warriors from uh, Wakanda go out there and, and do a show, the Black Widow, um, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, there, This was the first phase opening Avengers campus. There's going to be a second phase where there's going to, they're going to add a third ride. Right now it's just the Spider-Man web shooter and the Guardians uh, tower. But um, Well, I think yeah. that thing will continually morph depending on whatever movies are coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll, oh. They'll add a Doctor Strange. They'll add a Shang-Chi. You know, whatever whatever the new movie is, they'll, they'll add an attraction or some kind of stage show or something to it. Oh, definitely. I mean, they, they have a Doctor Strange-like area where you can take, like, photographs, and he does, like, a show – uh, we didn't catch that show, unfortunately, but they said at night it's even better because it's all lit up. And Is it like a magic you know. show where he pulls rabbits out of hats and things? <laughs> He's pulling more than rabbits, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I liked the the Black Widow. Uh, let me go around to the panel. Is it DVD worthy? Will you buy the DVD Blu-ray? I know, Bob, you already have the... Uh, digital version, but, but yeah, to me, but the, that's, the digital version only lasts so long, right? Oh, it's just a license for a certain amount of time. I think so. Okay. Because when we when I did Godzilla versus Kong, I don't think I can go back to HBO Max and still watch mm-hmm. that. But so um, is, is it a Blu-ray purchase for you? Yeah, probably only because I got all the others. So okay, Karen. Oh yeah, I'll I'll get it on Blu-ray. I will say I I was frustrated with the action because I felt like they had a lot of good action scenes in the movie, but there were some things. It's I don't know if it was the way it was filmed, like the direction or what, but it just didn't quite like yeah have as much kick as like say Winter Soldier because like the fight between Natasha and Yelena and the the apartment was really good. It was almost like born quality fighting, but there was just something where the the adrenaline was not as high for me. Well, I think it's because she's such a poser. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the end fight with the taskmaster and the airplane, all that debris, that that to me was phenomenal. Um, kind of got a little dizzy, um, but you know, I, I think I'll get it as well. Um, now let me ask you guys this who owns a copy of Batman versus Superman never mind I don't want to know the answer to that you Um, do (laughs) some things are better left unknown okay we have who owns a copy of Zardoz you do I know someone who's got a cool shirt yes I have a very cool Zardoz shirt thank you I I can only take so much of Sean Connery in a diaper (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what his wife said <laughs> oh my goodness it is most definitely at that part of the show where we have our <laughs> sensor sweep uh, this show was sponsored by Depends and we want to thank <laughs> them <laughs> Bob you got the sensor sweep this go around what do you got for us buddy well I'll do another double one but August, we have two, count them, two Godzilla Fest coming up back-to-back weekends. August 20th to 22nd is King Kong Crashes Godzilla Fest. And we'll be showing (laughs) Godzilla films. We'll be showing Kong films. We're going to show the original Kong. We're going to show Kong Skull Island. We'll show 
a very rare big screen appearance of Dino De Laurentiis' 1976 King Kong. That's what I'm looking forward to. Nice. And our special guest will be Linda Miller, who was starred in King Kong Escapes. Mm. She was the femme fatale in Kong's hand in King Kong Escapes. Uh, she was also in the Green Slime, so we're going to have a nice rare uh, screening of the Green Slime as well. And then the second show, the following weekend, the 27th through 29th, is Legendary Godzilla Fest. We're going to show a lot of legendary films, a lot of the Millennium films, and uh, our special guest is TJ Storm, who is the mocap actor who played Godzilla in the legendary films. And, mm. for, and for those that tuned into this thing for Marvel, he also played Captain America in Civil War. He played Rocket in the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. He's done quite a few films and video games and what have you, wherever they need some motion capture stunts and action. So he'll be there the second weekend. And both weekends we'll have vendors and special surprises and lanyards and buttons and all this cool stuff. In fact, we're even going to have a show t-shirt. So you want to get in on that as well. But that'll be anything you want to know about that. Go to bayareafilmevents.com slash Godzilla Fest. And uh, there's links for buying tickets and for the list of scheduled films we're going to show and everything else. So uh, check it out. Come on out. Say hello. And of course, that's at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. Nice. Now, Bob, will uh, will these events have weekend passes or is it going to be show by show? You can buy individual tickets. You can also buy weekend passes for this one. Nice. So we're not I don't think we're going to do day passes, although we might as we get closer. But right now it's weekend passes and it's like 50, 60 bucks. You can see as many films as you want. I mean, you see five movies. It's worth it, right? Right, right. And uh, we've got, Especially and we've got, we've got plenty going on. Yeah, the first weekend, we'll have show of films both weekends, but um, uh-huh. the first weekend, a lot of the Godzilla films are the Heisei films, like uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, oh, Godzilla vs. Nice. Mechagodzilla, Space Godzilla, Destroya. And the second weekend, we're concentrating more on the Millennium films. So, mm-hmm. like Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, Tokyo SOS, GMK. Etc. Etc. Godzilla 2000, things like that. So nice. Uh, as well as all the, uh, you know, if you miss Godzilla versus Kong in the theaters, we'll be showing that at both shows. Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters will be at the second f- show, as well as uh, Godzilla 2014, and it'll be just a blast. And then to help promote Godzilla Fest, I will be appearing on KFJC. Radio station 89.7 FM in the San Francisco Bay Area, or you can listen to the netcast at kfjc.org. And uh, I will be on with Robert Emmett on August 16th. That's a Monday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we'll be talking all things Godzilla, playing Godzilla music, maybe some rare songs and commercials, and uh, hopefully. TJ Storm and Linda Miller, our guests from Godzilla Fest, will call in for some short interviews as well. And we'll just be having a blast talking all things rubber monsters. And that's on Monday, August 16th, 
kfjc.org from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, guys. Another good show. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Sir. Guilty of being the god of mischief, yes. Such a poser.